0: Greetings to all my resplendent followers and reclusive cave dwellers, and welcome to another edition of The Zelda Roy Show. For those of you who haven't caught on yet, this is Zelda Roy reporting live from DeLorentz, the no longer isolated town where everything is made in the shade and pets can be counted as dependents on your tax form. I'd say I have a great show for you today, but... I'm not one for flowery speech, I have a show. It might be great, it might not. It's all up to personal opinion, really. I'm not going to say every show is a hit because that would be a blatant lie and the only lies I believe are worth telling are those we share with children to motivate them to eat vegetables and hug their grandparents. I always saw through these lies as a child but I have never been the example one should try to live up to. You will fall far behind. Today's show, regardless of quality, begins now. I'm incredibly excited for this episode, my fickle friends. I know I mentioned sponsorships for my show in passing several weeks ago. A bake sale can only get you so far. And I am beyond pleased to announce that today's episode is brought to you by Diet Gloss, all of the blissful raspberry cream taste with none of the demoralizing calories. Diet Gloss the refreshing, calorie-free taste sensation. I'm ready for my life to change, and if you're ready for your lives to be changed by actively listening to my life changing, here we go. There's... There's no way that this is really happening to me. This is... This is... This cannot be happening. There is absolutely no way that the one thing I've always been able to rely on aside from Tony Danza's dazzling smile has been utterly ruined. Diet claws tastes like... There are so many ways to describe the taste of Diet claws pounding through my head right now, but none of them can be said on the air. It tastes like old people's sweat, mixed with the broken dreams of injured college quarterbacks, and smells like it was stored for weeks in a dirty boot. It tastes like the air in the basement men's bathroom in your college dorm, you know, the one that smelled like vanilla shower gel and Old Spice because the jocks tried to cover up the smell of sweat and beer, or like chocolate milk mixed with Mountain Dew or grass-soaked in generic seawater-scented shampoo, or uncooked ramen smothered with mustard, anchovies, and that little packet of chicken flavoring I don't usually use but occasionally put on popcorn. Diet claws makes my stomach feel as if it's full of battery acid and sawdust and not the good kind. It tastes like everything I ever wanted is slipping out of my fingers, and the only thing I can do is watch it fall into this endless abyss from which it will never return. And how am I supposed to recover from something like this? I feel like. I feel like everything I ever knew is a lie. My childhood memories? My love of watercolors, landscapes, and pointillism? Are they? Are they even real? I'm sorry, I can't. Gloss, the refreshing, re, the refreshing calorie-free taste sensation. Diet Gloss, life has no meaning. Last month, Delorenz La hosted its first annual Unwanted Cat's Drive to somewhat limited success. Though many stray cats found homes with Betty Green, Bernadette Glencoe, and Bernice Grossman, more affectionately known as the Bee Gees, our beloved town cat ladies, several residents showed up in vehicles, drove onto the grass in front of town hall, and proceeded to, quite literally, drive the cats out of town. This only resulted in cat chaos, but thankfully no feline fatalities. Several tow trucks were called for the cars whose tires had been punctured by the frighteningly sharp claws. Unfortunately, this misconception led the cats who did not find homes to become even more spread out all over town. If you come upon one, approach it slowly. And whatever you do, do not attempt to put it in your car to transport it to town hall. Call animal control immediately and they will... Call someone else to take it away. No one really wants to deal with that. If you are wondering about that barren plot of land in Warren Park, in between the Walter Mitty fountain and the gourmet popcorn stand, I know the suspense has just been killing you, the cabaret has designated it as a location for a new statue. The statue will be constructed entirely out of driftwood to commemorate cabaret leader Davis Billingsley's favorite type of avant-garde furniture material. Billingsley is famous for having the longest reign during the revolution, lasting a whopping five days and three hours, before being assassinated by a group of rowdy teenage boys who were very much against the other places institution of the Boy Scouts of America, which Billingsley had hoped to kickstart. There have been rumors of a protest to the construction of the statue, as well as a counter-protest to the protest, but we should know by now that it takes more than some poorly photoshopped flyers and a rhyming opposition chant to actually counteract government legislature. I've gotten lots of input since the show's reboot about my etiquette section. This includes opinions that I ignore, No, I am not being judgmental about the lives of other people because I am unsatisfied with my own, rude jokes that I ignore, why did the chicken cross the road because she didn't know how to ride the subway, and terrible suggestions I ignore. I will not discuss the etiquette of Tinder, nor do I understand how flammable material has any influence on online dating and I will also not be discussing the proper way to go about breaking up with someone via text message. A shout out to BT Dennis for being the only person out of all my feedback givers to actually spell the word etiquette correctly. Today's lesson in etiquette is how to deal with telemarketers. This is another new phenomenon for those of us in Del Lorenz's. we never felt the need to create a profession so that people can be disturbed during dinner, to answer surveys win cruises around the world, and answer, I swear, this is not a sales call. So until you manage to get yourself on the do not call list, which I hear isn't terribly effective anyway so just give up on that dream, here are some tips on how to politely deal with telemarketers. First off, have patience. Getting angry with a stranger over the phone is not going to make anything better. Calmly listen to what they're asking of you and decide whether or not you would like to participate in a dialogue with whomever is on the other end of the phone. If you do, answer them in a pleasant manner. If you do not, there are several ways to politely rebuff a telemarketer it's quite similar to the concept of dating i wouldn't know but i hear things when i accidentally tap into people's phone lines my first suggestion is what i like to call the it's not you wait (laughs) no it's definitely you begin by what missouri i don't know anyone who lives there i don't know anyone who lives anywhere Oh, maybe the Mark Twain fan club is finally responding to my letters about the symbolism of riverboats. Hello?
1: Hello. May I speak to Miss... Roy? This is she. Hi, Miss Roy. My name is Llewellyn, and I'm calling from People United Against GMOs, and was wondering if you wouldn't mind answering a brief survey on your opinions of the use of GMOs in the food industry. If you do, you will be entered into a contest to win a trip to New York. All expenses paid... The winner will also receive our trademark hose and bros before GMO's t-shirt. Would you like to participate?
0: I've never been to New York.
1: Great. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how high would you rank your hatred of GMO's?
0: I didn't say, but what are GMO's? Is this some sort of life insurance plan because I already have a policy through Gloss Incorporated?
1: Say it's A1, A2, A3, A4, A5...
0: You're- being kind of aggressive. A six? Seven. I... I pick seven.
1: Wonderful. Do you have a fear that within the next decade, the human genome will be unrecognizable due to the consumption of GMOs? What? So, you are afraid that within the next decade, the human genome will be unrecognizable due to the consumption of GMOs?
0: I didn't say that, you little piece now, of...
1: all I need is your email, address, social security number, and mother's maiden name, and you'll be entered into a contest which... If you win, we'll make you eligible to enter another contest to possibly win a trip to New York, if you're approved for travel out of your commune.
0: Commune? It's not... (laughs) Wait, I have to win this contest to get entered into another contest?
1: Those are the entry rules, yes.
0: How about this? How about you give me a trip to New York, and then you apologize for wasting precious minutes of my life on the air, you abhorrent, fetid piece of sh...
1: I'm sorry, ma'am. What was that you said? I
0: called you an abhorrent, fetid piece of sh... Is
1: abhorrent your mother's maiden name?
0: My mother's maiden name is I hope you choke on a wilted piece of kale and die. Is that all hyphenated? You're hyphenated. And is that your- You ask me one more question, and I swear to God, I will come to Missouri, which you have now completely ruined for me, by the way, find you and follow you around like your deformed shadow to ensure that the rest of your life is a living hell. How dare you tarnish the reputation of the home of Samuel Clemens? You are a disgrace to the state of Missouri and to the literary contributions of a bona fide genius. Go pound sand, Llewellyn. Good day. I was talking to someone the other day. I can't remember who it was because all human interactions blur together for me unless you stand out in some remarkable way and no one ever really does. And they mentioned watching something called Wheel of Fortune. Honestly, at first I thought it was some sort of show about medieval torture, which admittedly would have been a refreshing change from all of the melodramatic, overproduced romance and high-pitched, sparkly laughter I am now forced to endure every time I turn on the television. So I went home from wherever I was, like I said. It all blurs together, but it was probably the library or the artisan cheese shop, judging by my habits, and decided to give Wheel of Fortune a try. Let's just say it's a good thing this episode has the overarching theme of disappointment. Wheel of Fortune is not about medieval torture or psychic readings, nor is it a sequel to Bernard Renslinger's film Wheel of Torture, which is, ironically, a documentary about the invention of the wheel. It's basically Hangman. That game we used to play in school when the teacher didn't show up. Because they disappeared or were arrested for treason, and we were waiting for a new one to come in and teach us about our founder, Warren DeLorenz, and how we left a life of... Oh, wait. That's right, my Other Places listeners. You didn't have that. So maybe you didn't play Hangman. Maybe your lack of understanding about how to play the game led you to create this stupid, overblown Wheel of Fortune version. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I have so many questions for the moron who came up with it. Why do they call it America's Game? I thought America's Game was baseball. I hate baseball, but it's better than this. Why is everyone yelling? Why do you have to buy vowels? How can you win half a car? What happens if you don't win the other half of the car? Do you just have the driver's side or the front? Maybe it's an art installation piece. I have some issues with the production value of this show too. Who is doing the graphic design? Most of the typography looks like old word art. I appreciate modern word art when it's done tastefully, but I've seen examples of your 90s vintage other places and I'm not impressed. The name tags the contestants wore look like diner signs. They remind me of that Eaton park I went to a few weeks ago with Kate and Barlow when we were out exploring and I totally understand why the vernacular calls it eat and puke. Though I do not understand why I still don't know anything about the mysterious Dr. Barlow other than he likes the smiley cookies and eats his eggs sunny side up. Who does that? Over easy all the way. I think Pat and Vanna are essentially ageless. I also wonder if they have a thing going on. I mean, at the end of an episode I watched, they actually fed each other food. And what's the point of Vanna? All she does is shuffle back and forth and smack the touchscreens, which I'm pretty sure are perfectly measured to her height. I am impressed that she walks so well on those heels, though. If she falls over dead, they're either going to have to tailor the screens to someone else, or audition people based on height and arm span. In general, Pat and Vanna seem like nice people, and they are the least concerning part of this stupid show. Except for Pat's nose, which bothers me for some reason. There are other little things that bother me, like when the contestants say they're married to their husband or wife. I always want to yell back, No, I thought you were married to a chair! The toss-ups are too passive-aggressively intense, and I'm afraid that the contestants will spontaneously combust. I don't like when the winner won't stop touching Pat at the end, his eyes are screaming, don't hug me, please, really stop touching me. I find it amusing that there used to be these kids named finger boys who held up fingers so Pat could see how many of the letter is in the phrase. Now there is just a boring touch screen, but imagine how that looks on a resume. But my biggest issue with Wheel of Fortune is the categories. They are the worst. I have to confess something, listeners. I'm actually really good at this game when it makes sense. But repressed emotion is not a thing, no matter how hard you try. The things category makes no sense. Combined weight is not a thing. When is that a thing? When has that ever been a thing? And the categories are so repetitive. It's like, phrase thing, things, quote, phrase, and then they pull out some random category like extinct animals of the Serengeti or types of plant fungus, and I lose all the little respect I had for this show. There just aren't any redeeming qualities to Wheel of Fortune, and I think it's because the producers just decided that they didn't care about the development process. The premise is ridiculous, but it's the horrifying graphic design, over-enthusiastic contestants, and senseless categories that just ruin it. There is no excuse for creating a flashy version of a classroom game. Call me when someone invents a television game show version of Heads Up 7-Up. Oh, and it should involve everyone wearing the same shoes, so no one can cheat. By now, I think it's fairly clear that those of us who hail from the esteemed city of DeLorens are somewhat behind in terms of customs and social practices. That's not to say that other policers have it right or better. It just means that when we, say, run into a new friend of ours on the street and they hold out their closed fist, we may duck in fear as if it's some sort of hesitant prelude to a punch in the face. Yes. I recently discovered what a fist bump is, and the experience was both horrifying and embarrassing, or at least it would have been had I the care and vulnerability to actually be embarrassed. But since it's kind of endearing that all of you are banding together for this cause, even if it's a stupid one, I shall continue to oblige by expanding my knowledge of otherworldly culture. This episode's unwanted history comes not from Wikipedia, but Urban Dictionary. If I'm forced to do this, I may as well spice things up. I'll consider expanding to TV tropes later, but I'll admit that I find it the most overwhelming of the online collaborative encyclopedia slash dictionary slash resource guide time wasters on the net. So, bar hopping. The crazy thing about Urban Dictionary is that there are often multiple definitions for things. Can't you people make up your minds? Is bar hopping defined as what you do with a buddy or a group of friends, involves going from one bar to the next, possibly picking up women or getting into bar fights, also can be a new experience from bar to bar. Bar hopping tends to cause participants to become heavily intoxicated, though not always? That's the top definition. Or is it periodically clicking on your favorite website links in your bookmarks toolbar? almost always includes YouTube. I'll admit, wow. I am being regretfully honest today, folks. Must be my current frustration at what should have been the best beverage ever turning out to be. (sighs) Whatever, I need to stop apologizing for saying what I think. I didn't do that before, but now all of you people keep telling me to get with the time, so I keep giving you my insincere apologies. No more. I'm going to return to your regularly scheduled rants. Bar hopping. And I'm going to ignore the second definition, because that one just makes me sad for all of the angry kitties I imagine surround the author. Is an interesting concept. We don't really do that here in Delorens. Everyone has their haunts. My crowd goes to Valeria's hilarious place, other people go to the bowling alley. I imagine it's like that in some regions of other places, depending on where you live, or more accurately, where you socially drift. Because I'm sure there are plenty of places where people just live, but choose to bring their social shenanigans elsewhere. I guess that can be quite economical under the right circumstances. What makes for a good bar hopping experience? I'm curious. I feel like it needs to be strategic, there needs to be some kind of core. I feel like you need the same group of people to travel with you. you. You can either stay at the same bar all night or stay with the same group of people. It's just better that way. You need something to hold onto when your head's spinning because you drank too much, whether that's the dinged up bar at your local watering hole or your buddy's vintage Spider-Man 2 backpack. Come on people, a little structure is good. Wait, um, I'm confused. I, I think I'm talking about something else entirely. So is the unorganized version bar hopping and the organized version bar crawling? Urban Dictionary says that bar crawling is when individuals go from bar to bar in a small vicinity. Usually they drink so much at the first few bars that by the time they get to the last one, they're crawling from drunkenness. Or even better, a bar crawl is an event planned by an organization or group of friends where people move from bar to bar at pre-designated times. The bar crawlers are often identified by a common t-shirt, which often has the bar names and times in case crawlers forget. I'm actually really excited about this. Organized adventures around drinking? Let's start this here in Della I don't know where we'll get the t-shirts or where we'll go, but I think we should do this. And remember kids, make good choices, pick strategically getting trashed with the same group of people over aimlessly wandering to drunken pits of despair. I've now reached my quota of sincerity and educational content, and I'd like to remind you that they are completely separate concepts and will rarely collaborate for the greater good. Our first listener contribution for today comes from Christopher Walken on Sunshine. Zelda, quick question for you. Would you rather eat a pound of parmesan cheese in one sitting, or be forced to smell like parmesan cheese for a week? Okay, Christopher Walken on Sunshine- Wait, are are you related to Christopher Walken on Broken Glass? I didn't realize Christopher Walken was such a popular actor, but perhaps I've not yet watched his more crucial works. I can't say I was terribly impressed by his performance in Kangaroo Jack, but I digress. I'm not sure why you would want me to choose between two terrible fates, but I can only assume that out in other places, from which you most certainly come due to your lack of finesse, there are limited opportunities for self-entertainment. I feel sorry for you, enough anyway, to answer your bizarre question. I believe I would much rather eat a pound of parmesan cheese in one sitting. After all, there are no rules to state that I cannot also eat a pound of crackers along with it. I'd rather not be forced to smell like anything other than success and orange blossoms for an entire week. Even if parmesan is considered to be the king of all cheeses. I hope that satisfies your curiosity. It was a busy weekend here in Dillerand, and if you missed out, I don't feel sorry for you because more likely than not, it was your own fault. For those of you who don't stay up to date with our social calendar, shame on you because we throw the best alternatively-themed tea parties. This past Friday was both our rescheduled Feast of All Thomases, as well as the kickoff for our inspirational and or uplifting film festival. The feast, though steeped in controversy and anger due to its forced rescheduling, was a hit, as always. Gerard Jones came home with his fourth consecutive Dress That Thomas championship, Clearly, no one understands period clothing better than Mr. Jones, and Sally Worth won the baking contest with her Thomas's English muffin pizzas. I am also pleased to announce that only seven blue doors were defaced with vulgarities such as loser, weasel, and popinjay. To be more specific, all of the blue front doors in Delorance were graffitied. Only seven front doors in Delorance were actually painted blue. Perhaps next year they'll follow my advice and choose a color that does not induce rage in the hearts of those with strong feelings, good or bad, about Thomas the Tank Engine. The feast, though steeped in controversy and anger, due to its forced rescheduling was a hit, as always. Gerard Jones came home with his fourth consecutive Dress That Thomas Championship. Clearly no one understands period clothing better than Mr. Jones. And Sally Worth won the baking contest with her Thomas's English muffin pizzas. I'm also pleased to announce that only seven blue front doors were defaced with vulgarities such as loser, weasel, and popinjay. To be more specific, all of the blue front doors in Deloraine were graffitied. Only seven front doors in Deloraine were actually painted blue. Perhaps next year they'll follow my advice and choose a color that does not induce rage in the hearts of those with strong feelings, good or bad about Thomas the Tank Engine. The feast ended with the traditional rousing chorus of Thomas O'Malley Cat from Walt Disney's The Aristocats, one of the very few Disney films we were allowed access to here in Delorenz due to our esteemed founder Warren Dallarenz's De deep love of anthropomorphic cats. Once the town finished expressing their love for the smooth-talking jazz-playing alley-cat in song, we began the inspirational and or uplifting film festival with a showing of the Grapes of Wrath. This was seen by some as insulting because typically we kick off the festival with Bambi, but the cabaret, along with social committee chair, Anastasia Edgerton, believed it was time for a change. Several festival attendees expressed their thoughts on the matter, Wondering why exposing the city to the entire world after over 50 years in seclusion was not to be considered enough change. But Tom Joad won that argument, much like he has overcome so many of his own personal demons. Saturday's lineup include favorites such as Cat People, The Maltese Falcon, Casablanca, and Love Actually. Among Sunday's blockbusters were Yankee Doodle Dandy, Dumbo, The Pacifier, and The Curse of the Cat People, the sequel to Saturday's Cat People, so I really hope you were there Saturday so you weren't too confused. Anyway, it was a huge success, as if I expected anything otherwise, and the sheriff only had to be called twice for disturbances, which, if you really think about it, is impressive given our track record with public violence. If you attended the festival, I'm sure you left feeling fulfilled, uplifted, and inspired. If you did not, Enjoy living in the darkness with your unattainable dreams and a severe lack of animated animals. That's all I have for you today, my pated admirers. I can't find it within myself to apologize if you're not completely satisfied with the content. As I was so rudely reminded earlier, life is full of disappointments and it's best if you just plan for the worst and always carry with you an extra pair of socks. Join me next time when I might discuss the merits of birdwatching, or I might just sit in silence for 20 glorious minutes. Either way, it'll be more exciting than what's going on in your brain. See you later, alligators. This is Zelda Roy, signing off. The Zelda Roy Show is written and produced by Rosemary Booker and Claire Kitten, who have never met a robot mime they didn't like, for future reference. The voice of Zelda is Claire Kitten. The voice of the telemarketer was Bridget Dennis. Music by Rosemary Booger. Check us out at zeldaroy.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening.